Well, we have been um, spending the last few weeks talking about the church and, and what we're trying to do here. Again, like I've said, we can, each week is any church that believes in Jesus and preaches the Bible, this is common stuff. We're not, wow, so amazing. You guys are teaching people to love God and love others. That's not cutting-edge stuff, although it is very practical. Um, it's definitely not new. And so what we've done is this series, we've kind of talked, the first week was, um, was that we talked about how you can't really say, I love Jesus but hate his church. That, is, that, is, that doesn't work. God actually ties both Jesus and the church together and that they are imper- in, they're inseparable. In fact, the church isn't an organization. It's not a, it's not a place, but it's a people. And God is about making a people that are, that are loving him and loving others. And so last week we began um, talking in Matthew 22. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me there to Matthew 22. If you don't, the ushers are, will pass one out to you. Um, the, the, the premise of this, this section was that, that someone was testing Jesus. They were asking him, it was a series of tests, essentially, where, where they were trying to um, get Jesus to trip up in his words to either denounce or, or offend Rome or denounce and offend the Jews through Moses so that either or the group could crucify him. And this is the week before um, he is crucified, and this is a, a test where there's all these questions. And, and we know that after these questions are asked of him that no one asks another question of him. But, but the questions are, are, you know, what are the greatest commandment? What, what is the greatest commandment is the one that we looked at. And last week we talked about that the greatest commandment is that we, we, are, to, we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And that that, that is the greatest and first most commandment. And so we spent all week last week talking about how, how, what does it mean to love God and the fact that you and I are incapable of doing that if it wasn't for him first loving us and in placing in us his spirit to actually follow through on loving him. And so this week, what he talks about is he takes it, and remember, the question was asked of Jesus. It was, what is the, the one commandment? The, the Jews were trying to figure out, they always fought on what was a light command and, and, a, and, a, and a heavy one, what were ones that had to be kept and what were ones that we could kind of slip by. And, and they were asking, what is, the, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers that. But see, Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with, here's the greatest. He says these words, and a second is like it. And the second one is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, actually, um, Jesus has a lot to say in the Bible about how we are to treat others. And so real quickly, I just wanted to, to ask you, like maybe in the front of your mind, if you can think about it, how are you doing at treating other people? You know, maybe the better question is, how are you at treating other people when they're driving really slow on the road and they cut you off? Or maybe the better question is, how are you at treating other people when they stand in the 20 items or less line with obviously 30 or 40 items, right? Or how are, how are you at loving people when they've wronged you, when they've just been out right, rude, mean, malicious, slanderous. How are you at loving those people? See, and here's the thing. Jesus says so much. In fact, I know a lot of us, like you think of, for me, it's driving. In fact, I said this a couple weeks ago to my wife. This was awesome. Um, I have a dark heart. I'll press that. Okay, God's still working on me. Okay, so so know that. But I was driving, and I was driving like a total idiot. And then she's like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you driving so bad? Why are you in such a hurry? Why are you so angry?" And I literally said to her, "Babe, I am very self-controlled in almost every area of my life. Can't I just have one area where I can slip up a little bit? Because I think I'm so holy. Like, that's like I said. You can pray for me, guys. Um, <laughs> but Jesus has a lot to say about this. In fact, in in, in Matthew 5:39, he says, "But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone cuts you off on the right lane, then let him cut you off on the left lane, if that's even possible. But the point is, is that he tells you, like, look, d- don't 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 turn from them. Stay stay engaged. Don't run from them." 
In fact, he says, when talking about forgiveness, one of the, one of the apostles um, was asking, like, well, how many times should I forgive? Should I forgive up to seven times? And that's kind of tied to probably the Levit- Levitical laws, why he said that originally. But Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And some of you are married, and you're like adding up, and you're like, man, when I get to that spot, you've missed the point of that text, okay? I just want to be clear on that. You've missed that point. But, but what basically what Jesus says is, is the way that you and I treat each other has and a direct correlation, a direct effect on, on actually loving God. The, that I would even press to say that you and I are incapable of truly loving God and hating others. We are truly incapable of loving God and, 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 and acting in unloving ways to others. And we'll talk about who the others are in a little bit. But Matthew um, 22, I've already kind of said it, but Matthew 22, verses 39 and 40 is where we are. He says, again, he it was only asked one commandment, but Jesus just kept going. He says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's important to know that, that those two sum up all of the commandments. Loving God and loving others, or, or loving your neighbor as yourself sums up all of the law. Sums up every single thing of it. You can't take any of the other laws that doesn't affect those two. And so Jesus says, look, if you really want to love God, if you truly want to love God, then you've got to figure out how to love your neighbor as yourself. And there are, I think... I think there are a th- few things that get in the way of us actually doing that. But, but first, I want to talk about um, what it means for us to love ourselves. See, I think a lot of self-help people would make this, this verse about, well, you just have to love yourself so much, and it makes it about us. And I don't think that's necessarily what Jesus is saying. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that we need to have a, a right view of who we are in Christ. We need to have a right view of, of who we are. Ladies, if you're like, oh, I'm so ugly, don't forget you were fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator that created everything. And man, if you're insecure, like, don't forget who you are in Christ. So I'm not saying that we don't love ourselves, but that I don't think is what he's, he's talking about here. He's essentially starting. Jesus is, in effect, is saying, start with your inborn, deep, defining self, where, where human trait, where your love, where you love yourself, right? And you love yourself in the sense that you want to eat, you want to have clothes, you want to you wanna, you wanna be comfortable, self-preservation, self-fulfillment. We all want to be happy. We want protection from violent people. We want people to like us and spend time with us. We want our life to count in some way. All of this is self-love. And this is what Jesus is starting with. He's saying this, listen, that self-love is this deep longing to diminish pain and increase happiness in our lives. He's saying that you love, that love that you have for yourself, that love, that deep natural thing for us to want to be comfortable, he's saying, now put that on your neighbor. He's not making a case to just love yourself here, although you kind of have to, but he's saying you're born with a desire to be happy and joyful, and, and you, you have those desires. Now that desire for yourself should be as strong for your neighbor, just like it is for yourself. See, that's what Jesus starts with. Something that is common to all of us. Everyone have this, and here's the thing. It's not evil for you and I to want to be comfortable, to want people to want to spend life with us, to want clothes, to want food. None of that is evil in and of itself. In fact, that's a good thing. But the problem is, is these characteristics do become evil in our life. And I think there's, there's three. We're going to just look at three reasons why I think you and I really stink sometimes at loving God and loving others. Now remember, don't forget last week we, we talked about we are in capable of loving God, and we are just as incapable of loving anyone else apart from God's Spirit inside of us. So this isn't some works-based thing where you have to do it. You have got to start at there. You can't, you're not going to love anyone void of His Spirit inside of you doing that. 
But there's a few things. There's three things that, f- that, that we fail at loving people, and I think they're all rooted in pride. And let's, let's start with the first one is this self-love. Okay, I think what happens in us is that, is that our love for ourselves begins to elevate higher than others. So, so my comfort's more important than this person. My, f- my be- feeling f- full is better than this person. Like I'm at a lunch line, and I'm, I'm hungry, and the person in front of me is taking forever to order. I begin thinking that my hunger is more important than theirs. So I put myself higher than them. And what happens is I stop seeing people as people and I see them as objects or means to an end. I see them as people that, I see them as things that that are not as important as me. And so what happens is my self-love becomes selfishness. This this born characteristic that God gave us becomes selfishness, becomes self-righteousness. And I, again, I elevate myself above someone else. And so I think higher of myself than them. This is, this, you, you can play this out anywhere in life. If you're, if you're sitting in an, in, in an airplane and someone's walking in and you know it's not a full flight, you kind of do one of these numbers. So that someone doesn't sit next to you, you're basically saying that your comfort's more valuable than that person. If you're, if you're, if you're in a hurry to get somewhere because you're late and, and someone's driving slow, you're more important, important than that person. And what happens is, is our self-love becomes self, selfishness. And we become selfish people. We think ourselves way higher than we, than we ought to. In fact, Romans 12.3 says, um, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, everything that you have, every good that comes from us was given to us by God. In fact, the best title that any one of us that claim Jesus Christ can actually bear is I am a slave to Jesus. I am a bond servant. I am a slave to him. That is the best name I can have. So it's not, here's a slave and here's a little bit better slave or a little worse. It's, it's, we are on level. The best name I can have for myself as a disciple is I am a bond servant of Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. The problem is, is if we start thinking or believing that we're better than other people, then we become entitled. And we become better than them. Look, I, I understand people will make really silly mistakes and can frustrate the, the snot out of you, especially when I drive. People frustrate me all the time. But, but the problem is, is it's not them. It's not a them issue. It's, it's a me issue. It's not a, it's not a they're doing this to me. It's, it's my heart has the issue. It's your heart is the issue. See, when you place yourself higher than someone else, it's a your heart issue. I don't care how bad they've wronged us. And I'm not saying that you're just a doormat to just be pummeled. I'm saying the way that we treat people is an our heart issue. We want to excuse it away because of what they did or didn't do. But Jesus doesn't say here, he doesn't say love your neighbor yourself unless, unless they cut you off, unless they annoy the snot out of you, unless they're loud unless he doesn't say there's no he says love your neighbor as yourself if we don't break this habit of thinking higher than we are if we don't break this habit of looking down on other people then we will continually fail at loving God which is ultimately failing at loving others right or the other way we will continually fail at loving others which is ultimately failing at loving God it's just a big deal the second way that this this comes into an issue for us is is the question of who is our neighbor See, a lot of us, I think, would never say that we don't think that that person's our neighbor, but we live our life very much like that, where you and I will choose certain people groups to ignore. 
certain um, individuals to ignore because we, we, we separate them out. So who is Jesus talking about? When he says, love your neighbor, who's your neighbor? Well, we have a fantastic story in all the Gospels, but Luke 10 is where I'm going to pull this one. It's, it's, again, a Pharisee questioning Jesus. And, and you know how he's questioning him? He's questioning him about the kingdom of God. Hey, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And he says, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, you've answered wisely, now do that. And this Pharisee, to justify himself, it says, we hear that, literally, to justify himself, he said to him, well, who is my neighbor? And so then Jesus goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. And that story, if you spend any time around it, first off, for a Jewish person, there would be no such thing as Good and Samaritan together. Okay, and he tells a story about, well, a guy's coming from, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and that's uh, 3,000 feet difference in 12 miles, and it was covered by cliffs. Robbers were always there, and this, this Jewish guy gets robbed and left for dead, and a priest comes by, and he doesn't just say the priest ignores him. He says he actually went to the other side of the road because he didn't want to mix with this person, and this is the priest. This is one of the holiest spots you can be as a Jew. And he walks by and ignores him. And then a Levite, who wasn't a priest, but would have been very well versed in love your neighbor as yourself and, and love God. And he passes by. And then the Samaritan comes. And the story ends with the Samaritan, you know, taking care of his wounds, putting him on his donkey, taking him to an inn, caring for him, and giving the guy, here's two days' wages. Take care of him, and I'll come back by just to make sure that if he, he stays longer. And Jesus asks, so, so who loved his neighbor? And the Pharisee's like, well, the Samaritan did which again, if in that time, they would not have even mixed. They wouldn't have sat in the same line together. They wouldn't have sat near each other. They would have been completely, a Samaritan and a Jew would not have mixed. So this was such a, a radical story for Jesus to say. And what he's doing is he's pointing at the question. If the lawyer understood his question, how pointless his question was, how irrelevant it was, he wouldn't have asked about who is his neighbor. The question would have been, well, maybe a better question is, well, when? When do I love my neighbor as myself? And I think what Jesus is doing here in this story is he's telling us, look, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it is. In fact, let's just go one step further. We have the one another's over 59 times in the New Testament. Jesus said a bunch of them of love one another, bear one another, care for one another, serve one another. So that's, ta that's talking to those that are in Christ. Then we have love your neighbor as yourself. And oh, Jesus said love your enemies too. So I'm not really seeing a threshold of where we can find that one person that doesn't fit in any of those or that people group that we can ignore. Jesus was very clear. It's love everyone. Love everyone. See, God's intention is to call us into a being a loving, compassionate, merciful person that looks like his son, Jesus Christ, that doesn't ask, who do I love? Ask, well, when? when? I'm on it. How? How do I love them today? It's never a question of, oh, that person, you know, it's, it's inconvenient that their tire blew on the freeway. So to serve them, I'll switch lanes three ways so that I don't drive too fast by them, but I, I, I'm busy. I got to get some lunch before I can help that person. It's inconvenient to love them. It's inconvenient to show up early and set up a church, but, you know, I, I need my sleep. See, see, God's not saying, he's not saying, look, he, he, he's summing people to action. When they're suffering within reach, a person who will interrupt their schedule, risk embarrassment, give money, all the things that are uncomfortable. He's calling people that it's loving people isn't a matter of, of who, it's, it's, it's when. 
it's not a matter of just, oh, I love people. It's acting on that. It's living in that. Everyone is our neighbor. Jesus basically says it's not who, it's, it's, it's how and when. A third way, another way that I think that people, um, that we really struggle at loving people is, is robbing them of their needs. So and I, say, I say it that way because I think it's important because Jesus did in, in Matthew 25, 42 through 45. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. By the way, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven again, just in case you're wondering. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did, I, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister you? And he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So a way that you and I can act unloving is when we see a need and we turn our head. I will push to say, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to him, then you have felt that tug before. You have felt that tug to go, oh, I, I feel like I need to help that person. And you've either engaged in that or ignored it or robbed them of an opportunity to experience Christ through you. See, a way that you and I can not love people is literally just turning a blind eye, disengaging. Because I get it. It's hard. It's difficult. It's It's sad. It's inconvenient. It's hard. Some of the stuff that we see around this world that's so bad, you're like, I don't even know what to do. So we use, I don't know what to do as an excuse to not do anything, to not pray for them, to not make an effort, to not strive. And again, this effort and this striving is nothing to do with us. It's all of him in us. He has given us this spirit to do it. It's his desire for us to do this. Matthew 5, 14 tells us that we're a light to this world. And then in 16, he tells us that we're to, we're to shine that light before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, we live our lives so that way we live them, people see Jesus Christ. He has, he has graciously invited us into this process of bringing his kingdom here now on earth as it is in heaven. And that is in honor and what's even better is he has given us a way to do that. And we do that by loving others. Now, look, it is completely hypocritical. Most hypocritical thing, hypocritical thing we could say is I love God, but I hate someone. That doesn't work. John, we went through First John. He talked about it, like, you can't. You can't say I love God and I hate my brother. It doesn't happen. But you can't say, well, I love God, but I'm just going to ignore the needs of this person. I love God, but I have no desire to know the names of the people that God has around me. I love God, but I'm just going to keep ignoring, ignoring, ignoring because I'm busy. I got things to do. I got money to make. So what is it for you? What are ways that the self-love manifests its ugly side in you? Is it not forgiving someone? Is that, is that, is that what it is for us? You've been hurt by someone and you think because you've been hurt and they did hurt you and honestly what they did was hurtful? But is it your choice to not forgive them? Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I will, I will depend on God's grace as much as I recognize on how much he has forgiven of me. Right? So, so how can I not forgive someone? How can you not forgive someone when you realize how much he's forgiven of you? Maybe it's not given to someone in need. 
this one was hard for me. Why would I rob? <laughs> Why would I rob someone's need? Rob myself of the opportunity to actually live like the person I'm claiming I want to be like, Jesus Christ. Why would I, why would I shy away from an opportunity to, to be the hands and feet of Christ? When that, honestly, if you think about it, if I want to be like anyone, I want to be like him. I want to live a life that looks like him. So people see, they don't even see me, they see him. Maybe it's just not sharing truth with someone. I'm a big enough believer in the fact that, that there is a lot in here that is not intuitive. And it needs to be shared, not just in the way we live, but with our words and our actions. Maybe it's ignoring someone. Okay, I, I fully believe that we limit the Holy Spirit inside of us. I said earlier, I said some of you felt that nudge and you, you saw nodded heads, right? That is God's Spirit alive inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and it is alive inside of you and it is pulling you towards something. Why not risk the embarrassment? Why not risk the schedule conflict and engage in it? You have no idea of who God has around you and who he's drawing to himself for his glory through you. We have no idea of that. And I think it's so interesting that we'll spend so much time trying to get to know God in here, but we won't spend any time loving the people that he's created. We'll spend so much time wanting to get the theology right, but we'll never act. And that's just what that Pharisee wanted in the Good Samaritan story. Hey, I know what's supposed to do. I know, I know the, the logic. I got the right answers. But to justify himself, well, who's my neighbor? To justify his inaction. And you and I do the same thing. We just don't say it that way. <laughs> we just ignore people. We, we, don't, we don't love because I think we forget, again, like I said last week, how much he has loved us. Okay, I want to get really practical with you for a second. I, I don't like necessarily always go here because you may just go to the writing the practical stuff and forget some of the scripture. But, but I, think, I think one of the issues that the church has, and that when I say the church, the people have, is that we only like to love when it's sexy. Meaning when we get something out of it, we choose to love. It's really easy for me to love Pastor William and Mercy and Devotus because, man, that love goes a long ways with them. And it's, it's kind of, I feel good about myself. But I haven't really ever tried to love, you know, the person that's next door to my house. And I see all the time. Because really, what am I going to get out of that? Some of us, we, we want to we wanna go serve the homeless, which, believe me, serving the homeless is beautiful and it needs to happen. But we forget that there's two people that have baked your goods, home-baked your goods every single week here. And you've never, you've enjoyed eating them never thought, huh, I wonder if I could help. I wonder if I could love that person, even if I will never get any recognition for it. We joked, Jake joked about it when we were talking about the Philippines. He said, you want to go love people in the Philippines, you want to love them, that's great. Pick up a chair. Every week, well, not through the summer, but every week when we're not in summer, we're, we're picking this stuff up and tearing it down. A way, a tangible way that you can love someone is by picking up a chair. But that's just I don't get enough recognition. It's like we want the bigger gain from the dollar. And I'll give, to, I'll give financially to this person right now because in some way they'll know that I gave versus if I just give it this way, well then, you know, then I would ask you, 
I would ask you in all of those situations, in all those things, why are you loving? Are you truly loving someone because you love God or are you truly loving someone because you love yourself and you want to feel better about yourself? If, if that's where you're at, like, start back at go. You gotta remember that it's by grace you've been saved. It's the work of Christ. It's for him. It's all him. It's not us. We get the honor to do this. We're called to serve people and love them and not just tolerate them. It's a big difference. Start engaging in the names of people in your life. You go to the same coffee shop every week, start spending some time getting to know that person. You have people you work with every single day. You have people you see every single day. Honestly, some of you, you, you have kids that you need to start loving. You have spouses that you said some amazing vows that was a covenantal relationship. Start loving your spouse. Who is it for you? The band's gonna come up, we're gonna sing. Is it a people group or is it a person when I talk about loving that comes to your mind? Is it, is, it a, is, it a, is it a group of people or some individual that when it comes to that person, you just can't love them? Again, I would say Jesus didn't stop at loving God. He, he went right into, to love God to the fullest, we've got to be loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you guys this week, this week today, that person that came to your mind that you find bitterness or hatred, or that group of people that continually comes to your mind, whether it's the, the Philippines, or, or it's a, a people group in Africa, or whatever it may be, or it's the homeless, that you always elevate yourself over. Whatever came to your mind, engage in that. If there's repentance need to be sought, seek it. And act. And remember that you're not acting because you're awesome. You're acting because he's awesome. You're not acting so that you can get glory for it. You're acting so that Jesus Christ gets the glory. We're called to love because he has graciously invited us, graciously invited us to make a difference in his kingdom coming here now. Don't let your schedule or your school or your family time or anything get in the way of that. You can invite loving into all of it. Father, I thank you for loving us first so that we can love you. God, I thank you that um, despite our inadequacies, our inability to love, you still lavish immense grace on us. And I thank you that um, you're not done with any of us, that each of us are in a, in a spot that um, you're taking us to make us more and more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would be faithful in that process. I pray that we'd be faithful knowing that you are faithful. God, that we wouldn't just be lazy that we wouldn't just allow excuses to get in the way of loving God. I pray that we would, we would hear your spirit nudge us in a way and we would move on that and God, you would just show us so much of who you are in that process. Would you overwhelm us with your goodness in just the times when we act in little ways. God, forgive us for ignoring the one another's. Forgive us for not serving each other like we're called to. Forgive us for not loving our neighbors, even our physical neighbors that live next door to us, God. And God, please forgive us for harboring bitterness or not loving our enemies. How would you bring us, would you make us a people that truly love you and live out that love by loving others? How would you not let us get complacent in stopping short of that? God, would you please 
that you wreak havoc on our hearts? Would you make us uncomfortable when we, when we choose not to love God? Would you bless us? Show us that you are still existent. You are still on the move. You still have much work to be done. And God, when we do this, would we please get out of the way and just do it for your glory? Would we please not put some false name on it, not our name, our family name, or a church name? God, would we just put Jesus Christ's name on it? But would we truly be a people that love? Love not because we have to, not because we're obligated to, but because you first loved us in a way that we can't understand. So God, forgive us in our lack of understanding, using that as an excuse to not love. God, for those in the room that, that have, there's a person, you brought a person to their mind. There was a fight, there was wrongdoing, there was hurt there. Would you please, please push on them to do as far as it depends on them to be at peace with all men. God, would your, would your church shine brightly here? Not because, again, not because we're making some great name for a church, but because we're making, a, we're a part of you building your church, God. Where people don't just run from the church anymore because they recognize that the church is a people, not a building or an organization. A people that truly live out your commandments and not just think them. And thank you for the spirit to do so. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.